This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. This is Raise Your Game. I'm Christine Wong. The attitude toward work has seen a fundamental shift as of late, what with the pandemic accelerating the phenomenon known as the Great Resignation, and it feels as though this is the moment to take a good, hard look at your work environment. How can it be improved, and what tools are at our disposal? I have Rosemary Fan, founder of Design Thinkers Academy Singapore, on the line with me today to discuss using design thinking to redesign the workplace and rehumanize working. Thank you, Christine. Yes. Uh, okay. So I am Rosemary, and I am the co-founder, okay, of Design Thinking. And this has been, I think, this is coming to our fourth year in Asia. And what we do is we really go out there and empower people. We do workshops. We do, um, yeah, we empower people through certification for people who like to become a practitioner. So that's what uh, we do mainly, yeah. Fantastic. Uh, now, this is not the first time we've covered design thinking on the show, but that will be the topic for today. So let's really deep dive into that. And for those who have not heard about it before, uh, Rosemary, could you share with us what is design thinking? So design thinking is really, for us, it is really an approach for a practical and creative problem solving in anything that we do or in any industry. And uh, what we do is also to be very human focused, okay, human centered focused. The reason is because we are solving their needs and we need to come up with creative or effective solutions that meet their needs. Okay, mm-hmm. so it's all about the people that we are dealing with. It's not about what we want to sell or how we want it to approach, but we need to understand where the approach needs to be and towards people. And that's what design thinking is about. Fabulous. So essentially with design thinking, it is really getting down to uh, using empathy to solve, you know, a lot of issues, right? Very much. Okay. So when we need to understand needs, uh, we need to empathize. Empathize meaning that, you know, we need to deep dive down to what they need. It's not just having a conversation on a surface area. We have to go down deep because if we don't do that, you know, we would not get what we don't know or what they didn't know. Okay, we are just confirming or affirming what we already know. So in empathizing, we can just look into, you know, having that conversation with them, creating that safe space. Importantly, is to create that safe space so that, you know, they feel safe. They feel, uh, you know, that they are comfortable to share. Otherwise, people just don't share because if they're not comfortable, then... Why would they want to share with you anything, right? So they'll just keep their, their conversation very superficial. Hmm. So what we are trying to do here is really go in deep dive to understand them and their needs and also uh, to, to find out more than just what we already know. Yeah, absolutely. And especially, I think, you know, with a lot of uh, organizations that still operate with this very top down hierarchical, uh, you know, uh, mentality. And I know as well that here in Southeast Asia, we do struggle a lot with power distance, for example, Mm. where, you know, a lot of 
leaders or, or bosses uh, of teams really do not get down to the ground and, and ask their employees what they want. They just sort of assume that they know best or they don't really check in. Um, and, and, you know, I think that times are changing. I think definitely uh, that now there is uh, more of an idea of, you know, we do have to, I don't know, be nice to people to get them to stay at our company. <laughs> wild, <laughs> wild concept. Um, but, you know, could you tell me a little bit about uh, how, you know, the period that we've had recently, I think that has really accelerated the pandemic, how that has affected um, organizations' need for design thinking? Yeah. So, so you, you see, when, when I started out, we say that uh, we have a practical approach to creative problem solving. So now for organization, we can also use it within the organization because it is also the problem of the employees that we are trying to solve here. And we need to replace hierarchy with more human emotion, with more curiosity, uh, and understand where their skills and their assessors are uh, supposed to be met, right? Because it is not about um, uh, the reason why you also spoke about the great resignation is because people felt that, you know, they have not been recognized or they felt that they have more than what they could have uh, contributed to the organization during the pandemic. So this pandemic actually accelerated the way people are doing things, people are realizing things, and hopefully for leaders, right, um, you know, they will upkeep uh, the way that they were curious and checking in on people's human uh, emotions rather than, you know, when we go back to the workplace, they tend to forget and they go back to the way how we used to do it, you know, the traditional way, the hierarchical way, but it will not work anymore because today people will not take that, mm. right? And people realize that they, they need to have their emotions checked in. So with the emotions checked in, then that will also help them in, uh, you know, in, in seeing that organization do care for me. It is not about the physical aspect anymore. It is really about the internal uh, check-ins and, and, and also... Uh, I would say that, you know, they need to have that intrinsic moment with the organization. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I think the pandemic really forced a lot of people to take a look at their priorities when it came to work. You know, uh, what were the benefits or what were the, I guess, the pros, right, of work that were worth staying at an organization? And a lot of the time it was, you know, I think we all, especially when we all had to work remotely, um, for those of us who are lucky enough to have fantastic teams, you know, we missed the people. We missed the feeling of working together, you know. Uh, we missed the check-ins with our managers, for example, those one-on-ones, although obviously they conduct they were conducted remotely but it's not like quite the same uh, stuff like that is all part and parcel of, of that so that's number one and I think also with that remote working that we a lot of us were forced into um, as a result of the pandemic a lot of the performative aspect of work also disappeared right there wasn't as much of a focus on you know you have to look a certain way or you have to stay in the office until a certain time and so that all really kind of hyper focused the organizations to be like okay now that those elements are removed, we need to actually do better and take a look at how we're treating our employees. So I think that's really interesting. Now, I do want to talk a little bit, I think, uh, about, you know, we talked a lot about employers and employees. So maybe let's start there. How does design thinking bridge the gap between employers and employees? If you ask me that, um, all the more design thinking plays a very pivotal role 
in this moment because the way we solve customers and uh, users' problem could be also applied to the current organization challenges. Okay, such as you know, if you have if you face any conflict management, then what caused that conflict management, right? So the empathetic way of uh, understanding how it happened and why it happened, to whom it happened, you know, I think that's very important rather than, you know, we used to use the metrics, right? Okay, win, 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 lose, you know, and all those, the collaborative way, but we don't do that anymore, you know, we have to be very human-centered with the way we solve uh, conflict management now, right? And then we have to also put aside uh, any biasness. So when we are being curious, we are putting aside, um, you know, biasness because we are going in with a fresh lens. We are going in to look at their lenses rather than ours, okay, to understand where they are coming from and, uh, and, and to go deep with, you know, where they are coming from. So it helps us in understanding and improving internal communication in a sense. Um, and then, so empathetic way, like, you know, surveys, interviews to understand where their needs, their fit, right, uh, into the organization that could also help us with the great resonation. Because if we really truly understand, you know, and we are giving them what they need, it's unlikely that they would resign. Mm. And we want to retain them more than we want to lose them. Because today, you know that building a talent is not easy. Uh, you know, having successes in the organization is also, you know, you're going to lose them, then you don't have any more successes in the organization. So we need to become, leaders need to become more of a mentor, you know, a fatherly figure, a motherly figure, rather than just a leader, right? Mm. So, yeah, it's not about leading anymore. It's really about influencing and understanding where they're coming from. So perspective taking is very important to us. So design thinking actually helps you to understand where perspective taking is concerned, uh, as well as understanding how to be more empathetic in the way we do things. It sounds like leaders need to be a lot better about understanding there's not a one-size-fits-all approach to how your employees are going to react, what they would like. You know, um, some people might love, you know, continuing to work hybrid. Some people are desperate to get back into the office. Some people want to work completely remotely for whatever reason that they have, right? To apply a one-size-fits-all philosophy to that is kind of, you know, not applicable in this day and age anymore. So that's number one. And then I think number two, the other interesting thing is, you know, you talked about mentorship and stuff like that. And it really sounds like a lot of the... I guess, traditional leaders who do not apply design thinking act more as an authority and not a person, right? You know, it's a very object kind of uh, interaction where, you know, there's a lot of that intimidation and a lot of that power and fear, not so much, you know, leading by example, but, you know, just sort of commanding, um, you know, instructions and and not really getting to the heart of the thing. I mean, I think, uh, you know, for a lot of people, they've had experiences with leaders who are like that where you know mm. when you have your one-on-one with them you're not excited to have a chat and to check in with where you are where you're at you're absolutely terrified <laughs> when you go into that room and you have that that uh, presence right with you so I think it's really interesting to see that with design thinking 
it's, I mean, not, I guess not quite like customizing the office experience, I guess, but just getting to the heart of, look, um, you know, we have to address these issues one at a time and they're not, you, you got to go on a case by case basis. So that's really interesting. We do have to take a short break for some messages. But after that, I would love to speak more about design thinking and how it can continue to help employees and employers and organizations to get better and how it can rehumanize the workplace. So do stay tuned to Raise Your Game on BFM 89.9. Brave, free Malaysians. BFM 89.9, The Business Station. You're listening to Raise Your Game. I'm Christine Wong and on the line with me today is Rosemary Fan, the co-founder of Design Thinkers Academy Singapore. Before the break, we broke down what is design thinking and how it would help uh, employees and employers to bridge the gap and how it has helped a little bit uh, with the issues caused by the Great Resignation. Uh, so before the break, we really talked about that employee-employer dynamic. But also now let's talk about, you know, people who are on the same level, peers and colleagues, mm. right? How does design thinking help uh, in that sense, in that interaction? I would say that, you know, it's just that you and me, you know, having this conversation, you know, we, we, we somehow are connected because we created that space that, you know, we, we have no judgment or, you know. So imagine if you're in a workplace and you meet somebody and, and you know that you put aside any judgment and people will be more comfortable talking. So it is really about creating that safe, you know, like what we used to call psychological safety. But now it appears that, you know, we need to do it with everyone, not just about the environment. We used to, to have to have, have it applied in the environment, but now it is important that, you know, when we are talking to one another, we are focusing. We are really trying to understand from your point of view, you know, like uh, how's going, what's going. But of course, in the environment in our office, they need to redesign places that people can have that conversation going. Mm. Because today, you know, with hybrid, I don't know, you know, if, if they have designed any any special places where they can meet because everyone wants to save space, right? You know, footprints are very expensive. And so officers would just design like hot desking and stuff, but they may have maybe they just forget about a place where people meet along the way to say hi, you know, have that casual talk and everything. If that space doesn't work out, then it's very difficult to build that peer-to-peer -peer relationship as well because mm. you don't have time for interaction. You don't have time. You only go to work for work. And when you meet along the way, and it's too short. I mean, it's so difficult to talk along that corridor, right? Mm. You really need a space where you can, people can, can get together on an informal basis and have the informal conversation. Yeah. Otherwise, as a peer, you, you will not be, you will lose that peer-to-peer -peer relationship for sure. Absolutely. You know, I think uh, that's really interesting in that, uh, first of all, you're talking about the sort of physical design of the office space and how that contributes. Uh, I also would like to say at this point, I think for some people, uh, the concept of like a safe space tends to be, I think, taken out of context. I think a lot of people now associate it with very, um, you know, oh, we've got lots of office perks and we have a pool table and bean bags and like, you know, which is besides the point, like whether or not that's the way that your office works, it's not wrong, but that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about creating an environment where you can have these social interactions that are not 
work related, you know, things that mm. actually humanize your colleagues, uh, you know, where you can ask about your day and you, you know, there's not this pressure over your head to get back to work or mm. there's not this feeling of, you know, everyone can like eavesdrop on the conversation or, or you know, it's it's that kind of thing where, you know, I think some people also really separate their, their kind of work self and their like actual life. You know, a lot of people may not feel comfortable uh, talking about their personal lives to their colleagues, stuff like that. And we're not saying that you have to do that, but it's like... Mm-hmm. To even have that environment and that area where you could do that if you wanted to and to facilitate, you know, environment where if you wanted to, that's fine. If you don't want to, that's also fine. Right. To Basically, again, navigate between uh, uh, as we talked about this before the break. It's that, again, case by case basis, allowing people to be able to adjust to what they need. Right. Yes, mm. yes. Because, you know, uh, work culture is it plays a very big role, especially in our organization, even though it's a hybrid or even, you know, it's, it's all remote. Mm. You need to, to have a space and, you know, I guess organizations also have to rethink strategies to get everyone back together if they, they're working remotely, totally. Yeah. Uh, because, yeah, you need to try to see that, okay, we're going to have a team project and everyone has to come back, you know, ideate and, and we have to come up with a solution, you know, for some intentional reasons, you know, to get everyone get back, you know, at least once a month or something like that, rather than totally off to just remote. Yeah. That's why you need that space, you know, True. To, for them to, to get together. Otherwise, you're going to lose it, you know, because people, people are people. Mm-hmm. They need to have that relationship to keep them bonded to keep them engaged, to keep them motivated. If I'm just going to work with technology and screen, I don't feel anything, right? There's no emotions to it. And so why why, why would I have any emotion to the organization as well? So, I think, first of all, with uh, one of the points that you made was that, you know, whether you're hybrid, remote, in the office, whatever, people are still people and this applies to everyone, first of all, yeah. right? But that's really interesting because, uh, you know, in terms of that uh, need to connect I think that to a level it is possible even in a totally remote environment there are so there's so much technology out there and ways and means of even virtually having meetups I know there are some websites or tools that allow you to kind of be in a virtual office space and that's that's really cute if that works for you you know uh, that also again again it doesn't necessarily have to be like a physical space but it could also be meeting up at a cafe right it could be mm-hmm. that it could be you know um, maybe instead of having like a work focused in-person meeting it could be something a bit more leisurely um, you, so that's really what where we're where we're at, I think, with that. And also, yeah. I think one other thing to bring up is how this is going to uh, affect the incoming generation of workers, because a lot of them, especially those that started working during the pandemic, have never known office culture, have never known the office environment. A lot of people who started working during the pandemic have only ever been remote or, you know, at best, I guess, hybrid. Right. So. With that, I guess, how can design thinking help to navigate that transition for a lot of these incoming generation of workers to, you know, to get them settled into office culture in a way that is not overwhelming or intimidating as well? Yeah, so that that's a very good one because we've been busy helping a lot of organizations um, doing that, right? Um, so what happened is that because they have been remotely working and a lot of them have been remotely hired. And then so what we did was we created a like a two-day or three-day 
team bonding or even a team retreat or company retreat session whereby we bring everyone back, you know, uh, facilitated by us, where we start looking at, you know, what, what is it that people are looking for? So we help organization. So we help in two ways, right? So on the organization front, we help them to discover what are their needs of these folks, okay, who have just joined and, and how are they feeling and everything. So do that, that curiosity part for the organization during the retreat. And then on the employee side, they get to understand where organizations are going through because we actually shows them, you know, what are the goals, you know, what kind of culture, maybe it should be a co-created culture rather than just a culture that was was meant to be before, you know, before the pandemic. And then, so we get them to work together to create a culture that they expect, you know, from one another. So they, they, they enjoy those kind of sessions. And we find that, you know, just within a day and people just get bonded almost instantaneously because, you know, they get to hear from one another. I get to hear from my leader's point of view and my leaders get to hear my point of view. And we manage to, to co-create something that is useful, something that is meaningful for, for everyone. So it is it becomes a very humanized way of, doing things rather than just a one way, this is my goal, this is my strategy, and this is how we're going to do it, and that's it. You know, Please go and get it done. If you don't do it, then you'll be out of the organization. They don't do it those, those anymore. So we encourage it through strategic workshops, strategic boot camps, you know, that we put organization leaders and employees together. And, and, and they, I tell you, it really works. We, we tried it with small organizations. We tried it with semi government it works we we tried it with um big mnc i tell you we love such sessions because we we can see the transformation of uh journey of them and, and it really takes place almost in a day i mean i first of all i love the term co-create I think that is really at the heart of it, uh, especially when it comes to work culture, that co-creation and also allowing, you know, to be flexible with it as well. I think that there's definitely some organizations out there or, you know, even with groups of people, we've all been through this in like high school and stuff, you know, like mm-hmm. with cliques and, uh, you know, they have a certain uh, a social pecking order. They have certain inside jokes that you're not privy to. Like we've all like kind of shown up to school on the first day and everyone's already made friends and you're kind of like, oh, I don't know how to how to enter this. I don't know how to get in. And so that co-creating of that culture is very similar. It's that whole thing of like when a, a friend group sort of reaches out and goes like, hey, you should, you know, join us for lunch or whatever. It, and, and that element as well um, of not, I mean, that's what inclusivity is. I think that's, that's really what it comes down to is just allowing um, your kind of everyday and your you know, your culture to be shaped by the people in it. Not so much that they have to adhere to a mold that you're giving them, right? Yes. I, that's all that it is. Yes, mm. yes, indeed. Really, really interesting. So I think what we'll do now is, uh, as we start to wrap up, what are maybe some uh, tools or some resources or, you know, I guess like tips and tricks, I don't know, like starting points for uh, people who may be listening who are interested in implementing more design thinking practices into their life um, and in, maybe into their organization as well. Where can they start? What can they do? Okay, firstly, you know, you can always look us up. Uh, we are at www.designthinkersacademy or academy.com. 
www.thepodcastmom.com. You can look us up on that. And then we are internationally available. So we are made up of uh, over 25 countries, practitioners over there. And we definitely have people who are very um, passionate about design thinking. And then the other thing that we can advise you, please be human-centered in the way you do things. Please make sure that you deal with individuals, you know, on a one-to-one rather than, you know, one-size-fits-all. Um, we would say that, you know, try to be curious to understand one's journey because in understanding one's journey, you will discover opportunities because through their pain points, that's where, you know, you can see how you can, um, you know, find effective solution to manage their pain points. So that would help uh, any organization easily, you know, just be intentional with dealing with um, the humans in the organization. Absolutely fantastic. Well, that brings us to the end of today's show. But thank you so much, Rosemary, for sharing uh, your thoughts on design thinking and how it can benefit organizations today. Thank you. Thank you, Christine. You've been listening to Raise Your Game. I'm Christine Wong, and I've been speaking to Rosemary Fan, the co-founder of Design Thinkers Academy Singapore. If you've missed any of today's conversation, of course, you can go ahead and find the podcast on two little platforms. One of them is our app, uh, our BFM app that's available on the Apple App Store and Google Play. The other one is our website, bfm.my, where you can listen to this podcast and many, many more. This is BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.